Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You don't need to stop quite yet, but... <laughs> okay, now I'm feeling the love. Just, yeah, yeah. One more round for the guy up front, huh? Come on! <laughs> Thank you. I'm learning to receive love from the Father, so I'm just, we're just working it out here, you know? Appreciate you guys having me so much. As an accountant, it's great to be anywhere, okay? No lie, no lie. And yes, I am Donna's husband. Uh, that's been my title of pride for 36 years, so... Yeah, we were married, I was two, she was one-ish, uh, somewhere in there. A year later, we started at Bethel. So those thousands of hours, okay, just so you know, I started when I was like two years old, okay? So I'm not that old, but yeah. Uh, Donna and her Sozo ministry, who's heard of Sozo? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, you guys are veterans then. It's awesome. Well, you owe me a big debt of gratitude because... I am the original guinea pig for every tool, okay? Every tool was practiced on me. I used to be a lot shorter and fatter, and God just trimmed me up and shaped me up. So uh, that's my beautiful wife and her great ministry. And uh, we stumbled into Bethel by accident. Uh, I know it wasn't an accident, but we got swept into that before it was that. It was just a little thing over there. It was actually an opportunity to leave public accounting. I'm a CPA. That stands for cut, paste, and attach. I'm happy to say I'm recovering. I'm a recovering accountant, especially in February. Just do the math, right? Oh, wow, tax time. And I'm like, oh, what are we doing in March and April? I don't remember anymore. So I've kind of healed over that, yeah. But we, um, we I, was, I was crying out to the Lord for more uh, before we knew that that was a cool thing to do. We were in a different church, a little beautiful um, non-denominational church. It's still in Reading. They're still our good friends are over there. But I was working in public accounting, and I was uh, asking the Lord for more. I hated my job. Can I get an amen? And uh, <laughs> I just wasn't in my space. I wasn't in my wheelhouse, you know? And I knew it, but I was 35, and I didn't know anything, and I just trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And uh, this opportunity to quit public accounting and go to work for a church came up. This, a friend of mine who's also a CPA asked me, hey, would you like to do that? Which I was like, no, that's like career suicide. So I, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Who goes to work for a church? And so she's like, oh, okay. So I went home pretty smug, and the Holy Spirit's tapping me like, hey, that's what you've been asking for for two years. What? No. So I ended up at Bethel. This was 1995. And uh, it was about that big round. And uh, it was an awesome assemblies church at the time, Assembly of God Church, it's, uh, which I love the assemblies. Uh, but we were part of that church at the time, and I started there. And when I remember I gave my two-week notice. A week into my two-week notice, the senior leader who worked, was leading there resigns. 
And the whole thing catches on fire and begins to burn up. And I'm like, wow. And I found the biggest burning ship in the, in the bay and ran on. All the rats are running away, and I'm running on board, you know. Anyway, about six months later, Bill Johnson shows up, and uh, a bunch more people left. Not that they're rats. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying they're rats. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that... <laughs> When the first senior leader, his name is Ray, he's a great man of God, when he resigned and moved on, a bunch of people, people left, good people, God help them, they left. And then when Bill Johnson showed up six months later, a bunch more left. And then when Bill Johnson introduced revival a few months after that, a bunch more left. And it, when I started this job, see, I'm the accountant, so I'm living in this Horrible space between vision and revival, and God's coming, more Lord, and wow, the grass is dying, and how do I pay the rent, and how do I make all this work? And so during that space, that tension between more than enough and not enough, the abundance of heaven, right, which is there's no limit to, you can't count it, it's endless, it's like loaves and fishes, over here to, yeah, <laughs> my vendors don't want fish, okay? They actually want money, and how do I do that? And all this stress is happening. That's when my hair <laughs> became like, became like, um, I'm forgetting the guy. Who was it who walked with God and was no more? Enoch. Enoch. My hair went ahead of me to heaven. I think, it, I think it ascended, you know. I was, I'm getting holy from the top down, I think. And so it went on before me. I'll catch up. So in the spirit, it's all there. I just want you to know. It's all there. Uh, but that was a real crazy time. And uh, so I uh, settled in, and I love a great crisis. <laughs> I do. I found one. And I found a big old mess and a big crisis, and I just worked through that, and it was super fun. I won't lie. I was there 21 years and uh, learned some of the lessons of that space between this kingdom heaven economy that has no limits, abundance beyond we can ask or imagine, John 10, 10, uh, all those, those uh, things we hope and pray and believe, which are true. They're all true. And over here, sometimes it gets a little dry. I realize nobody in here has that experience, but you probably have a friend who does, yeah? <laughs> I know, you guys got it all going on. But we all have that friend who's kind of bleeding out both ears. And how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. I'm, I'm highly blessed and favored. <laughs> What's that blood coming out your ears? What, what are you talking about? What? You know, because we get that dissonance between the spaces, between the two ends. And so I began to learn about that and pray about that. Pray and petition and take it to the Lord. That really means complaining and whining in Hebrew, but, um, or Latin. I think it was Latin. But yeah, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time, decades of time, uh, whining my way through the lessons that I would love to share with you guys and save you a bunch of time. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And before we begin, begin that, um, 
I want to I want to pray a prayer, and this is important because when you talk about money, this thing happens. This glaze comes over, and people kind of seize up and fall into comas and things like that. <laughs> so we want to avoid that if we can. And I realize some of you will still, you know, seize up, but whatever. Just have a nice nap, and we'll wake you up when we're done. But if you would like to kind of navigate through that and actually remove an obstacle in your life. Make money the perfect slave in your life because money is the perfect slave. Did you know that? It was designed by God to be the perfect slave in our hands. It serves us and we serve God, yeah? It's the perfect slave but the worst master you can imagine. And until you kind of get over the glaze and you kind of navigate it and push through some of the, um, some of the uh, drama, some of the pain, some of the confusion around money, until you do, that will continue to uh, cycle you. And if I had my, my illustrator here, which I'm a, I'm a drawer, I talk with my hands, the Portuguese in me, I can't help myself, but I like to draw, but so I brought my big air, air whiteboard. You see it right here? This is a monster one tonight. This is awesome. And uh, I'm going to draw a circle right here. You see that? This circle represents a cycle going around and around. Uh, like a family, who, a, a person or a family who never kind of gets ahead. Like you, you get a breakthrough and then you lose it. I know this is not you, but that friend of yours, right? That friend of yours, uh, you see them, they gain and they lose, they gain and they lose. Yeah. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to explain that, figure out where the test is, how to pass it, and get you guys rolling on this glory-to-glory experience rather than the um, around-and-around experience. But we're going to do that with this prayer. Now, this prayer, you remember, is to prevent the glaze, the coma. And uh, it's actually a really cool... I think it's awesome. There's this, um, this thing that Jesus said. He was talking about giving the keys to the kingdom. I think it was to Peter. But to one of the boys, he was saying, hey, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. You know this? And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. So one day I was teaching this stuff, and my wife, <laughs> she's so honest, Brutally honest. Brutally honest. A little tear forms right here. But she, um, she, says, <laughs> she says, you know, Steve, you were sharing good content. This was a week ago? No. no. This is like, I don't know, a couple years back, a long time ago, actually. She said, when you share, it was like I couldn't hear you. It was like a... Something was between us in the spirit, and it's like your message, your words weren't getting through. Ah. And see, so she's discerning either that I'm super boring, which could be, or, which I prefer, the idea that, no, there's a demonic involvement, because I know I'm not boring. (laughs) And so this curtain, uh, I think of as a bind and loose target, Hey, I thought, what if I figured out a way, this is me praying, God, that that curtain, that effort of the enemy to prevent biblical truth from landing, 
into our little garden that is the heart in our chest, where truth hides. You know that thing that we water and it grows truth like, like an orchard inside of our heart? If the devil can keep that from happening, if from, from communication, from passing, then he's accomplished his goal. No matter what's shared or what you think is heard, he's, he's kind of got a program going on, and I think he does. So the Lord showed me these keys, this key to binding and loosing. So this is my first prayer. And I'm willing to take my time on this because if we can get through this, I mean, you can use this anywhere. I use this. This is how I inquire of the Lord. This is how I do it. You know, uh, we'll get back to inquire of the Lord. Don't, me, don't let me forget about inquiring of the Lord because that's a super cool thing. But I may not have time to talk about it. So um, remind me of that, okay? But this deal, this bind and loose, is, I think, how what it means when Jesus says, let it be done on earth as in heaven. Because in heaven, there's no confusion. There's no dis- dissonance in a message, right? There's no fog, no exhaustion, no comas, no locking up. There's none of that going on in heaven. There's no demonic efforts. There's no twisting of words. It's just clear truth exchanged. So I think that if we bind on earth as it has been bound in heaven, we are tying up the trash on earth in the space where either I'm teaching or when I'm sitting before the Lord, when I'm trying to listen, I want to bind on earth as in heaven. Does that make sense? And that's like trash bag, we'll just set it outside. And let's make sure that there's an awesome outside, so let's line the room with angels. Now, these are big dudes. The ones I'm talking about, Somebody saw one once, one of our intercessors. I love our intercessors. I've got some monster intercessors on my team. The biggest one is about this tall, and she's in, I think she's 90-something. We, we quit counting. But she's ferocious in the spirit, yeah? And she said, I saw the angels one time. I could only see up to his belt because he was standing so tall, and they all face out. They're guarding what's going on inside the temple. Isn't that awesome? I tell you what, man. That's what I'm talking about. So I want them shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip, around the wall, over us and under us. Just, I'm not saying theology. I'm just saying that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want, right? I want the angels guarding us so that we can just put out the trash. And then we're going to loose on earth as in heaven. What happened, what is loosed in heaven? Gosh, it's got to be, think about the virtues of heaven. Wisdom, clarity, peace, confidence, understanding, comprehension, revelation. How long is that list? That's what I want to pray before we even start. Because I'm not just starting tonight, I'm thinking this whole weekend. And then when I leave, I want some stuff like a residue to stay. So is that good? Can we pray that? Now when I pray, you can just... Pray along with me, but I want you to see it with me as I do it. I want you to to see it. Uh, Hebrews says that because of practice, we have our senses trained to discern good and evil. Yeah? So we're going to practice this. And as we do, we're going to use, well, my favorite. You can use whatever you want. My favorite is Isaiah 6, 1. I'll just read it. And then I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to invite Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into the room. 
But when I invite Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I'm talking about this. Isaiah 6, 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Father God, we set the stage tonight. We ask for revelation like we've never gotten it before from your heavenly virtues. Father, we ask that you would do a miracle in this beautiful city and this beautiful church over the next two days. Father, in order to do that, we pray for the keys to open your kingdom on earth as in heaven. We bind in Jesus' name every confusion, every part of the flesh, everything that the enemy is attempting or planning. We, we, we set aside and bind every fear, our, our exhausted bodies, our distracted minds, whatever that is not from heaven. We bind those things on earth as you have bound in heaven, and we set it outside, God. We set it past through the legs of these angels and ask you to close it up. And in this place, protect us where the angels are around us, above and below, like, like walls of this temple. And Father, we lose on earth as in heaven. Father, that you would come and bring your virtues in this place. We release heaven on earth right now. We pray revelation, clarity, courage, peace, confidence. Oh, Lord, the list is so long. Excitement, inspiration, revelation. We ask on earth as in heaven that that would be loosed. And Father, we invite you into this room in your robes. Wow. Full bling king full bling king you would move through these aisles and rows you would come father of lights and sit whoa beside us king knock us around where we're close together just bump in between us and sit with us father in heaven whoa jesus would you come the lover of our souls the savior of our lives. Would you move through these rows and aisles? Would you come and speak with us and sit with us? Jesus, the one who suffered for us and rose again. Holy Spirit, would you come and brood over us? Would you just do that? And just teach us and correct us and train us in righteousness. We ask this for the next three days, today, tomorrow, and Sunday, that, Father, what happens in this room would be pleasing to you. It would be a delight to you. You would, you would receive it like incense and just inhale the worship that happens. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. You guys good? Uh, can't you just see that? Uh, full bling king. Yeah. I was standing in my uh, living room one time, and I, I was uh, petitioning. You know what that means. Uh, in the presence of my wife, which isn't always the best play. But anyway, I was doing that, working out some stuff. <laughs> and, and God says, you know, you're going to have to figure that out. Where's Jesus? I'm like, oh, stop it. Just stop it. She says, you're going to have to solve that. And I knew she was right. This was a real attitude thing I was wrestling with. I know you guys don't have that, but that friend, maybe? Maybe that friend of yours? I'm just wrestling with this thing. And I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I am so hurt, frustrated. I feel betrayed. I feel like I've been overlooked and ignored and and dishonored. God, what do you say about that? And I saw him just like this. Just, there he was. He was standing, that's a full-blown king. He was standing in his, these massive robes. He had this crown. He had gold and jewels all over. The dude was like on. He had it going on. And he's standing with his arms crossed, and he's leaning against this little, this little wall in my living room by a, little wood stove, he's standing like that, and I'm like, whoa, and Donna's sitting in the room, she's on the couch, she doesn't see it, but we're having this little moment, and I said, okay, you're right, God, what do you say, and there he is, oh, and he says, Stephen, it's enough that I am. Yeah, man, I began to just sob. Donna says, what's happening? I tell her, I just saw the Father. And he says, it's enough that I am. She's sobbing, I'm sobbing. I never got an answer that day for my, my deep needs, my important questions of the universe. The answer was, it's enough that I am. I'm God, and that's good enough was like, I think that's right. I think you might be right. (laughs) Yeah, all my little things went away. But that's another story. We'll get to that. How many of you have a notebook? Raise your hand. Awesome. You're ready to take notes. How many of you have a Bible? A Bible. (laughs) Awesome. How many of you have a stapler? Because if you do, you have too much, okay? I'm just saying, the notebook, good. The Bible, very good. Staplers, too much. You know, office supplies, don't carry those in your purses and stuff. Anyway, let's get going. I want you to open your notebooks, or <laughs> for you millennials, get out your iPhone or your smartphone, and I want you to uh, jot down the answer to this question. The question is, I am, why am I here? And the answer that you're going to jot down is, what am I here to get? Why am I sitting on a Friday night when I could be watching whatever people watch on Friday nights? I don't watch TV, so I don't know. Too holy for that. <laughs> no, I just don't have time. But, um, 
Yeah, but whatever people do on Friday nights, you could be off doing that, right? Instead, you're sitting here in this church, and you're listening to some bald guy talk about money, and why are you here? So I want you to write down, I am here to get blah, 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 which is Latin for whatever you write, okay? So ready, set, go. Who needs more time? Okay. Finish up your questions or your answers. Because I believe this is true in money and in all of life, that if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. But a lot of people study money. They study about finances. They study the Bible. They study their spouses. They try to figure them out. They do all these things. But if we, if we don't know what it is we're trying to get, we don't know. We don't really get anything. We just muck around and kind of muddy up the waters, right? So I want you to look at your question again and make sure it's specific. What are you here to get? Make sure it's specific. Now, I'm going to tell you about money, and depending on the direction and how this next few days play, we'll see where we end up. But basically, my message is going to come down to this. It's something that my grandfather told me when I was a little boy. I was out chopping wood at the wood pile, and he was chopping the big pieces, and I was chopping the little pieces and picking up little kindling, and I was about six years old, and he we were working away side by side, my grandpa and I, and he says to me, Stevie, never wrestle with a pig. Then he went back to chopping, and I said, okay, and I went back to chopping too. So we, that's the whole message. If you want to be done, you can be. Never wrestle with a pig. Uh, I will tell you what that means, but you're going to have to wait and come back tomorrow. <laughs> never wrestle with a pig. No, I'll tell you what it means. Actually, I, it took me two days to get up the courage and ask Grandpa what he meant. So finally, after a couple of days, I walked up behind Grandpa, and I'm just standing there thinking, how do I ask this? And my uncle, and my Grandpa says, what do you need, son? And I said, Grandpa, why do you never wrestle with a pig? Because personally, I thought that sounds pretty fun. I won't lie. As a boy, wrestling with a pig sounds pretty cool. <laughs> So I didn't get it, and he said, well, son, because you both get muddy, and the pig likes it. Now that, you may not believe, precisely relates to money and the kingdom economy. Can you believe that? No. Yeah. It precisely relates because the body of Christ has been wrestling and arguing between two pigs in the subject of money, for generations. And so what my goal tonight is to clarify that and show you there's a third option between these two pigs and why there's two pigs and how you guys can get launched on the third option and uh, get going. So that's the whole story. If you guys want to be gone, you done before me, you can, you can go. 
But let me say one last time, look at your question and make sure your question's sharp. What is it you want from this next couple days? I'll give you 30 seconds to change it. It can be specific. It can be vague. It doesn't matter. I just want you to put your finger on it. Okay, good enough. So I believe if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. So we get ourselves a target. This is what you're after. This is, that question answers the question, what is it you're after? So that when I bump across it, when I say it, you've got it. And if at the end, if at any point, I'll make sure we always have time, or if, you know, in the sessions, if I do run out of time, maybe we'll do it uh, through emails. You know, I don't have anything better to do than answer thousands of emails every day, so you can send them. It may take me four years to answer it, but you can send your questions. But the thing is, if you do have a specific question and you know what it is you're after, you'll probably hear it in the next three days. Now, about the pig. Um, I learned this indirectly. See, my grandpa did tell me this, and it was a long time ago, and I did think it would be fun to wrestle with a pig. And when he told me, I didn't understand it. Oddly enough, years later, I'm working at Bethel Church, and I have a vision. And uh, by the way, I wasn't raised Christian, so, um, you know, it was quite an arc, character arc in my life from where I was, <laughs> some of you get that, from where I was to where God, to this amazing man you see in front of you now. Okay, I, I won't lie. You don't just wake up like this every morning, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wish my wife would have heard that one. I'm particularly pleased with that. I might have to repeat that in her presence. But She sends her love, by the way. She really loves you guys. I can't, can't, haven't quite figured out why yet, but she loves you guys a lot. Okay? She sends her greetings. Yeah, she loves you guys. Um, so what happened is I was in the chapel... And the chapel at Bethel Church. So now, the fact that it's Bethel doesn't matter, but they have this little building they built off the side. How many have been to Bethel? Yeah, a bunch of you guys. You know the little prayer chapel over there? Yeah, Alabaster House. Well, when that thing was being built, about the time this happened, there was, it was built, but there was no carpet yet. The fountain wasn't in. It was just rugged uh, plywood floors. We were writing. Did you know under the carpet there's scriptures everywhere? Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I can show you right where mine's at. Uh, but it's all covered up now. It's probably worn off from all the years. But back then, that was what was going on. The chapel was brand new. I don't even think there was glass in it yet. It was still being constructed, and I was standing in there. And the way this works is this building is a little octagon shape, and uh, right in the center, and so it's glass all the way around, and right in the center is a little fountain, and uh, there it is. There's, you see the fountain? And uh, I'm in this little octagon room, and I'm wandering around, and I'm praying and uh, walking around this fountain. And uh, the Holy Spirit shows me this crazy vision. Now, I've had some fun visions, and you'll hear a bunch of them if I have time, but this one was the coolest because it was the first vision that was actually happening while I was in it, while I was having it. It was cool. It was like it was alive, like, I was, like I'd stepped into a motion picture. Yeah? 
But it was, it was thin like a veil, like I could see through it into the room if I wanted, or I could kind of focus on what was around me. Does that make sense? And so what happens is I end up on this, this deck of a ship. It's like a little Mayflower ship. You know those little tiny sailing ships? So it's wooden. It's kind of old. It's small. It's got the front raised front end and the back end. There's a one sail in the middle, and in the back is the steering wheel. See, I know a lot about ships. There's the pointy end and the flat end. And, uh, but I'm on this ship, and I know that this is my generational ship. It's my job to sail this ship. In fact, it's been my father's and my grandfather's, and this is what we do. This is our jam. Our jam, another Latin word. This is what we do. We're sailors on ocean. And... Uh, not really sailors, but it just represents our legacy. And uh, I'm all alone on this ship. Now, it's not that big of a ship, but somehow I am completely capable of manning all the sails and steering and working the rudder thing and making the pointy end go where it's supposed to go, right? So... I'm super capable at this ship. Now, when the vision is happening, I'm standing on the deck, and it feels like timbers under my feet. I can feel them moving and creaking. That's creaking sounds. Not my stomach. And this is going on, and I look over the side, and I can see into the water. And the, the ship is moving. The water's moving past and there's waves, it's the ocean, and I can look under the ship through the water, and there's a bunch of sunken ships under me. I'm like, Ugh! and I realize my ship is navigating this really gnarly, rocky area where there's rocks and coral and stuff, and, I'm, and I am weaving in and out of these rocks, and it's frightening. I'm like, Ugh! and I look to my left, and there's this wall of dirt. It's a mountainside. And I say, God, what is this? And he said, oh, this is your family legacy. This is what you've inherited and what you're about to give to your sons, the capacity to navigate this ship in these waters. And even though they're really dangerous, you are expert at it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and, I, and I look at the mountain again, and it's actually this jagged, tall, skinny mountain like an island. And this ship has been, my ship has been going around and around this island for generations. And so I think, wow, uh, what is the island? He says, oh, that's poverty. That's a poverty mindset. It's a way of thinking and a way of perceiving the world, it's a mindset, but you're like a Jedi Knight at navigating this poverty island. And I said, oh, well, I don't want to be here. It looks super scary, like threatening, like I'm, I could easily crash. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, this thing is dangerous, man. I would get out of here if I were you. <laughs> I would go, well, how do I do that? He said, well, you've got to steer away. You've got to sail away from this island. Can I use these? Can I have this? This baby right here. That's a poverty island. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're not really the poverty island, okay? 
I'm just going to use that right now as a metaphor, okay? Poverty Island. It was bigger in the vision. But I was in the vision. I'm going around. He said, you need to sail away from this thing. You need to go. It's time for you to leave poverty. Oh, I'm sobbing. I'm thinking, you mean for my life? Yes. Do you mean for my sons? I have two sons. They were little then. He said, yes. You mean for like ever? Yes. Oh, thank you, God. Where do I go? He said, just get out of here. Just go. Okay. So I sail away. And I, as I leave the island, I'm watching it. This is in all the vision. I'm sailing this little ship, and I'm watching that island. And I begin to look around, and I realize it's kind of deep out here. Kind of um, scary out here. I feel like I might be in the food chain out here. In the open ocean. And I said, I, I don't really know what I'm doing out here. I think I'll go back here. So I failed. I failed that test. He said, sail away. And I tried. Three times I tried. I'll save a little time here. And I'll tell you that he said, sail away. And I did. And I got afraid because it's so alien. I'll go back here. At least here, I'm familiar with the dangers. You know that? I'm familiar with, and I'm able, I'm nimble at navigating these crazy waters around this rotten thing I hate it. I hate poverty. Poverty destroys people, but I'm familiar with it. That's called a familiar spirit. When you're kind of like, down for something, even though you don't really want to leave it. So I did that three times. I knew I was wrong, but I was scared. And finally, the third time, and he was very patient with me. It wasn't like God said, you'll go now, or, you know, angels are going to, I'm going to pluck feathers out of angels or something weird. That didn't happen. He just said, it's time to go, time to go. Finally, I navigated away, and I I will never forget. This is all in this vision. It's just going super fast. I'm sailing away from the vision, I mean, from the island, and I'm watching poverty get smaller and smaller, the island, and smaller, and I'm like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and it disappears on the horizon. I'm like, oh, I did it. I put it to my back, and I looked into this open ocean, and it's just this void, and I'm like... Now what? And on the horizon, this little tiny spot of land shows up. And I'm like, oh! And I sail right toward it. I'm like, this must be, this is, I know I don't want poverty. I am out of here. So I just navigate away. In other words, I'm orienting to that. Does that make sense? I know, you know, poverty has fingerprints. The poverty mindset It tells you it's never going to work. There's never going to be enough. You're stupid. You're lame. You're dumb. You're never never measuring up. There's never enough money. For you to win, someone has to lose, right? You're always the victim. Those are fingerprints around the poverty spirit. I realize none of you are familiar with that, but that friend, bro, yeah, you've got that friend out there, so you can talk to them about that. 
Don't know all about it. And so when I said, well, I'm tired of being the victim. I'm tired of there never being enough. I'm going to go fix that. And I went, I want more than enough. I went in the opposite direction. And as I come into the open sea, that island is going away. The influence is losing its power. But I see this little speck of land, and I navigate right toward it. And as I approach, before I get close enough, I get close, and I see it's another island. It has a letter M on it. And around it are a bunch of ships. And they're just really busy. And I recognize the island. It looks like that one, except this is different. That had a P for poverty. This one has an M for mammon. And as I get closer, the Holy Spirit says, don't go near that island. He said, you need to learn how to sail between the two and get out into the true open sea. And I began to learn a lesson right there. I, I learned a few. I've already spilled some of the beans. Let me just, no, no pun intended. I know I'm a bean counter. Was. I'm a recovering bean counter. Okay. But I spilled a few beans here. Let me just clean up this mess. The first one is that what you're familiar with is going to be really hard to leave because that familiarity grants you a sense of security, even though it is hostile. Okay, that's the first one. The second one is when you leave something that you are familiar with but hate because it's evil, when you leave it, it is very unknown because you lose all your reference points. You get out to where uh, there's no, theoretically in the ocean, you get to places where you can see no reference of land whatsoever. And it's easy to lose your, I don't know if I'm going north by northwest or south, or you, you can just lose your bearing. Does that, does that make sense? So that's a reality. I think there's a good space there for us, because I think that's where we are led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit is really hard. It's confusing and hard, right? There's no, like, tangible things. It's just kind of... You just kind of wander around. He said, go this way and then go that way. So it's fam familiarizing yourself with a different kind of tactile experience, Holy Spirit tactile, instead of evil spirit tactile. Are we good? The third thing is that I believe the enemy sends evil in twin opposites. I believe... This is, I'm not saying a doctrinal thing. In fact, I'm not really being doctrinal at all. And anything I say, I'm just going to say it, and then pastor can fix it. It's super fun traveling like this, because you can just, like, make stuff up and sound, you know, profound. And then the fat pastor can go, wow, I got a lot of work to do. So he can fix stuff later. But I, what I am sharing, I really, actually, I mean that exactly. I mean that, because we're peers in this room. I'm not like this guy with a bunch of knowledge and you're something that doesn't have it, we are equals here, and I'm just exchanging ideas, and you guys can push off of it and find where you're at and how to navigate, okay? So, uh, you know, you guys know this. When in a good group, there's so much exchange that goes on. Even though the, the language or the vocal is one-directional, there's a lot going on. Yeah, so I appreciate that in this room, and I'll talk about that probably tomorrow because you guys... There's some cool stuff going on in the room. But let's leave that alone. 
and get back to the twins, the twin opposites. You see, I think, I think that the devil is a turd. Okay? Can I say that here? Okay. It's Latin for not very nice, okay? Not a thing you want to touch. And he can't hurt God at all. I mean, he, he can puff up and spit and bite and do stuff, but he can't hurt God. It's like the ant can open its mouth as wide as it wants, but it can't hurt the elephant. You know what I mean? It can't bite the elephant. So the, the, that is just got to be crazy-making for the devil. <laughs> I'm kind of glad about that. So he can't hurt God. There's not like an equal battle between God and the devil, right? I mean, God is awesome and beautiful, and the devil's a creature, and uh, he's raising Cain, but he can't really hurt God. But he's mad because he got cast out of heaven. Are we all together there? I think that's good doctrine. It says that he was uh, misbehaving, so God cast him out. He said, cast him out. That's the prayer we started with. He bound that boy and loosed him on the earth, didn't he? He said, you're out of here, and set him out. So I like to think of the devil as the orphan spirit. He defines, he is the orphan spirit. Now, I just introduced a new idea, but I'll come back to that. This orphan idea, this, this fatherless, abandoned, uncovered, unhopeful problem, this, per, this personality with no cover whatsoever, right? So this orphan is orphaned out of heaven, and now he's on earth, and he's trying to get even with God, but he can't hurt God. So he's looking to hurt us because... We're kind of God's favorites, and that just burns the devil. It's got to be it's super cool. I love it. I think it just makes me giggle inside. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. You suck so bad, but <laughs> that's too bad because you deserve it all. I'm not talking to him. I'm just thinking out loud, okay? So this is going on, and I think that he... This is my thoughts, not, not to imply they are sponsored by my leaders back at home <laughs> or the leadership of this organization. This is just me on my own, okay? He can fix this later. I just think he is looking for powerful things. Wherever he can find power, he's looking to find it and exploit it. Does that make sense? He's just like, rah, you know, chewing and biting and doing whatever devils do. And he's like, I need something to wreck because I want to get even with, with God. And I want to beat up on these humans because he likes those guys, and I know that'll hurt God's heart. So when I think about the world, I think that there are, I've concluded, I haven't listed them. I've kind of avoided a list, but I, I think that there are powerful things that the devil exploits. One of them is money. See, I think money is a spiritual power. I think it's powerful because it always, power always exaggerates whatever's in your heart. And I think that's why I say that's a spiritual power. 
Anything that makes what's going on in here bigger, I would categorize as spiritual power. I think money is one. I think beauty is one. Those are the two I really struggle with. Mostly beauty. That was a joke. Okay. Come on, guys. I think authority is power. Influence. Okay? There's, there's probably a list. I don't want to make a list. But I have this theory that powerful things on the planet are sought out by the devil, and he seeks to exploit it in order to get even with God and mess with us. Yeah? And a very common power that we all touch is money and beauty. But that's, we have this all in common. But the devil exploits powerful things in pairs of opposites. And this maybe you've never thought of before, but I really don't think that the devil is going to put evil in the world so that we can see it and go, oh, that's evil, and then walk away from it and not realize he has put a twin opposite in our path to lure us in to the other pig. See, here's my grandpa again. Stevie, don't wrestle with a pig because you both get muddy and the pig likes it. You see, the body of Christ has been arguing among ourselves, building whole denominations on where is the proper place between these two extremes. I haven't really explained mammon yet. Poverty is everything victim, right? Mammon is everything villain. Villain. A powerful victim is a villain. The opposite of a victim is a powerful victim or a villain. Does that make sense? It's like a person who feels like they have never gotten their chance, and when they get their chance, they usually abuse others because they now have a position of authority, power, money, whatever. So victim and villain are two helpful words to illustrate this twin evil. And a victim always finds a villain. And a villain always finds a victim. And the body of Christ has been wrestling between these two things for generations. You see, the villain says there's never enough. The victim says you deserve it. You get that. You're entitled to that because blah, 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 whatever. That entitlement idea is fingerprint mammon. Mammon is a really ancient word. And uh, just a little background. It's in the Bible. It says that you cannot serve God in mammon. Jesus is speaking. This is red letter edition stuff, right? So we are not going to screw this up. This is real. He says you cannot serve God in mammon. That phrase in several popular versions has been translated, I think, badly. One says, you cannot serve God in money. Another says, you cannot serve God in riches. And another one, you still, these are, I think, NIV, NASB, and NAS, HDMI. Um, all of these versions, I'm the accountant, man. 
I'm not a theologian. I just know that when I read the Bible and I read multiple versions, you cannot serve God in wealth. You cannot serve God in money. You cannot serve God in riches. And the church has said, whoa, God hates money. So we all run to this end of the field because that stinketh. Well, <laughs> King James there for you. Yeah? So just to prove I know what I'm talking about. Right? So the church generally, especially our version, because we kind of cut our teeth years ago on a Puritanism, which the Puritans are awesome. The dudes are cool. Okay, I really like them. But they had these ideas that poor is godly. They had other great ideas, but that particular one didn't work out so good, right? Because poor is godly is kind of a broken idea. You see, there's this, there's this beautiful phrase. It escapes my brain where it is, but Paul the Apostle is, I'm taking this out of context. I'm so sorry. I'm lifting it out of context to make a point. Be careful now. I'm using Bible wrong. He, Paul the Apostle, he's scolding the Corinthians. <laughs> Those poor guys. He's like, ah! And he's going after it with the Corinthians. And he said, I'm afraid you're going to be led astray from the simplicity and purity. This is what I'm lifting out. Thank you, smart man. Second Corinthians 1. The, simpl- <laughs> the simplicity. What time is it? Is it time to go yet? No. The simplicity, it's the Shakeology. He gave me a Shakeology drink before we started. and I don't know what Shakeology is, but it's like caffeine. And I'm like a chihuahua on crack cocaine when I have too much of that. So this could be an all-nighter. You guys down for that? Okay. <laughs> so I don't have anywhere else to be, so... It works for me. Oh, where was I? Uh, Simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So in context, Paul's like slamming those dudes and said, hey, don't, don't lose this. But the this is the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. It's like a gem. You hear that? The simpl- do not be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I just see the facets in that. Gem. That's just like, wow. And see, I think the Puritans said that's what happens when you're poor. Now, I experienced that because when, when I run out of money, my prayers get so perfect and beautiful. They're just like, oh, Jesus, I need, I love you so much right now. If you'll solve this problem, I promise I will never forget to floss ever, ever again. I will not speed. I will not run stop signs. I will be awesome with you. Can you just help me? You know what I mean? When you're in trouble financially, your prayers get really sweet because you really need him. Please. Right? Okay. I just pushed the pause button. Hold that thought. I got to go over to my whiteboard. Remember my cycle over here, my circle? I'm talking about the bottom. When things aren't going good, you've had it going on. You're like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh-uh, it's like a rock star. Mm -mm, Everything's working. And then something happens. 
and you're kind of on the bottom of the circle, that's, when, that's what I'm talking about right here. When you're really, your prayers are really tiny and sweet and sincere and beautiful, and God, I promise I'll always floss, and everything happens like that. That's when that's natural at the bottom. Does that make sense? I know you guys are holy, but that friend of yours, maybe. Does anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Oh, thank goodness. Have some Shakeology, okay? We should do that. Shakeology for everyone tomorrow. Okay, just let's all have Shakeology. So here, here's this thing. This Puritan idea is how they, I think they were talking about this and this in proximity is what they were saying. That is beautiful. Okay? So the Christian church kind of runs, their goal, I think, is to run toward this and we end up next to this. I think it happens. And I know, I do believe that this is not the, the mindset in this church. Talking to pastor uh, just in the last few days, kind of grinding up for this event, I realized you guys are kind of vanguard church. This is a different animal. But many churches are not there. They kind of, they kind of get over here. And what happens is this sucks. <laughs> this is no bueno, man. <laughs> because when you're poor, man, you can't do nothing. You're weak, you're a victim, you're, you're whining. It's no bueno. So what we do is we kind of change our theology. I'm just going to move over here a little bit. I'm pretty sure that's not God. I think over here. And we start to find our way toward more abundance. Does that make sense? So if that's tearing you down and this is building you up, now I've got a somewhere in the bookstore, wherever that is, I got some stuff that has like thumbprints and little studies and little surveys. You can take blah, blah, blah. You can go look at it if you want. But basically, this puffs you up and that deflates you. Is that simple enough? This makes you feel like, but it's in your strength. And that's what happens when you fuel a victim. Someone who is kind of weak inside, if you give them power, they just, they just become a monster. That's why uh, when people win the lottery, it blows up their life. So what I'm, just so you know, a little peek on tomorrow, what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow is capacity and how you build that. Because if we figure out how to get off of this, which I'm fixing to do before we're done tonight, probably on one this morning, I should get to it. But uh, once we get this solved and we begin to move away from this craziness, uh, which I think is where this church is at, frankly, I'm kind of catching up with where you guys are at, this breakthrough, back to my circle here, is the cycle that carries you up but the problem is that introduces the actual test of wealth. The test of wealth isn't at the bottom. Now, the bottom's no good. I agree. It's tough. But at the bottom, you get to just cry out. When you're lacking and when things aren't working, you get to just cry and cry out. Just Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Turn on your simplicity and purity and just pray for God because, to rescue. Because it's, with God, it's not if but when. You knew that, right? 
It's not if, but when. So if, if you're, I'm not talking about on this end of the spectrum. Can you see how this is different than this? You see that? This is an environmental condition, a circumstance that comes and goes. And there's trials down here, but there's a test at the top. This is a mindset between two evils. This is a paradigm inside the person on the circle. This one says, I either think I should be poor or I think I should be rich, but both of those mindsets are balances between two evils. And this is the mistake that the church, in my humble opinion, the church has majored on where should we be. Should we be here or here? Where's the proper place for the body of Christ to be? Or here? Or maybe here and when pastor's not looking, we kind of stick a toe over there. (laughs) Right? And then if he catches us, hey, pastor. And then when nobody's looking, we're kind of sneaking around over here. So there's this weird turmoil inside. You see, that is a wrestling match between two pigs. And this is what the devil wants. This is why I say he sends evil in pairs of opposites so that we will walk into the influence of the one because of our extra dislike of the other. Not doctrine. I'm just saying that's what I'm saying. (sighs) I'm sure that was profound. So we have the body of Christ and there are there's churches that have camped right here too. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm not camped at either one. I'm also not teaching the message of either one, and I'm not mad at those who do. It's just that's not what I'm doing. My, my content around the subject of money and the soul, prosperous soul, is about open water stuff. Because remember back to my vision, I'll take off the, the pause button now, um, When I move away from one, I orient to something I hate. It works both directions. I know many rich people that say, I just need to give it all away, throw it all away, burn it, because I realize the emptiness of mammon. And it's, you're like, oh, Lord, give me that trial, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's horrible. Adopt me, and I'll help you out. But... You know, over here, you have no friends. You have no safety. You don't know who, who you can trust. I, man, it's tough over here. Like, empty, scary, horrible. And you're super rich. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so you can buy stuff, and you can keep occupying yourself and making, teasing yourself and confusing yourself and hiding yourself from the fact that you're absolutely hollow inside. And one of these days, these guys often end up jumping out of windows because it's, it really is horrible. Now, honestly, I have not lived on this side because I was super familiar with this one. So I'm not confessing to be the guy who's got experience on that end. My experience sent me this way, and he said before, when I saw it on the horizon and I started to lean in, He said, no, 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 don't go there. Learn how to navigate out into the open seas. Okay, 
So if we were going to label these, let's call it poverty, mammon, and a prosperous soul. Prosperous soul, 3 John 1 verse 2. It's a prayer by John. See how I did that? 3 John. John did it. My research is deep. Okay. John says this prayer. It's actually a greeting. But I think of it like a prayer that was declared and still hangs in the atmosphere. It says, the beloved, this is John speaking, beloved, I pray that in all respects you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Which I always thought was weird, because why would it be the soul and not the spirit? But we'll, we'll figure that out tomorrow, okay? So I'm just going to say, this prayer is still hanging in the atmosphere. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So tomorrow we'll talk about what is the soul, how does it prosper? Because when the soul prospers, you build capacity. When you build capacity, you learn how to, here's my whiteboard, here's my cycle. You learn how to pass the test of wealth. Okay? Remember, at the bottom, you just cry out. It's not if, but when. But when God delivers you and begins to bless and increase you, promotions, increases in income, opportunities, genius ideas, solutions, whatever, however you define that increase, every good thing comes from the Lord. That's the only thing that, that's the only source for it. So anytime blessing comes or increase comes, we can see that is rising to the top of this circle. Now, if the circle has been repeated over years and generations, which is my case, if I were to draw that out over time, it would look like this. Do you see it on my whiteboard? It's a wave up and down. You see that? But it never really gets above this high. Can you see it? This wave just kind of goes along like that. I never get above it. That's because I keep failing the test at the top. I've identified my capacity. And when I reach my capacity, I either self-destruct or sabotage or someone else comes along and damages it or an environmental change or something happens, but I never reach above this level. Can you see that? What I'm talking about tomorrow is building up capacity. This prosperous soul territory out here is where capacity is built. I'll tell you all about that tomorrow. It'll be a lot of fun. But when we do that, we build capacity. So here's my circle. Here's my wave. See, if the test is at the top, and I manage to fail the test, that's the decline. You see that right there? And I realize it's not you, but think about your friends. They keep coming to an opportunity and never seem to break through. Okay, generationally, this can, individually, generationally, it all works the same. We get to this top, this opportunity happens, this, this moment for us, and we, we fail the test. But if we pass the test, what used to go down becomes flat. Do you see that? I've changed the color of my pen. I went from red, this is my red, my first wave, if I come along here and now with my green pen, I 
get my breakthrough, and instead of falling, I, get, I flatten it. You see it right there? I manage to carry. That's called faithful and little. You see that? And it's little. It's my, my private time, my leisure time. I managed to pass the test of leisure. That's one of the greatest powers we have in our day. You know, if we go back historically, people didn't have time to have leisure. They were always making food, killing and eating food, <laughs> figuring out their clothing. In our day, leisure is a big, big challenge. It's a big threat for people without liberty. People without capacity. Sorry, I popped another word in. Scratch that. That'll come in later. So here's my green pin. I carry instead of fail. Do you see that? Faithful and little. Well, God has this habit of digging his kids. He likes us. And when he sees us faithful and little, he has a habit of rewarding those who seek him. It's a verse in Hebrews. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Okay? Now there's uh, this faithful and little principle. If you're faithful and little and God says, wow, I think I'm going to give you cities, you get that's a big promotion. To become a governor? Big deal. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Alarm bells go off. <laughs> this happens in every city I teach in. When I say that fact, everyone goes, ding! No. Um, yeah, if I carry... Instead of fail, here's my green pin, and I'm carrying, and God sees faithful Steve, or you, and he says, I can see him with his angels crowded around, they're all sitting there watching, look at my son, God says, I just love that kid. His angels are like, wow, I don't know. But God is like, no, no, really, he is my beloved, look at him, look at her, look at her go, look at her carrying that assignment. I think I'm going to promote her. I think I'm going to give her a blessing because God is like, oh, I'm spitting, so I'm preaching. God is out here. This is the open water, remember? This could get a little wet up here, guys, so just, just <laughs> let you know. I'll back off in a minute. But God is out here. He's like, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come on. I want you to see that. Imagine God, the maker of heaven and earth, the king in bling, Sitting, who's sitting next to you right now? You realize that? That's who we invited. The creator, think of this, in Psalms 7, I think, it tells us that he created wisdom. And it said, come here and stand beside me as we make the mountains. That's who I'm talking about. He just, we're going to make mountains. Now let's create wisdom first. Now let's... Stand beside me as we create the mountains. That's who's sitting beside you. Jesus, Father in heaven, and the Holy Spirit in this room right now. And he's sitting out here saying, come on. Let's do this. Do this. Come on. This is our time. Think about it. This is our time. And he's coaxing us out. He's not afraid to prosper us or bless us unless it's going to break our capacity. I do think that God will not give us more than we can handle. I think that's doctrinal. 
But it doesn't mean he's not like, come on, build your capacity. Come on. Learn how to carry, son. Learn how to carry, daughter, because I got so much to give you. John 10, 10, beyond what you can ask or imagine, I can imagine a bunch of stuff. I know you can too, right? And then God's like, that's cute. Nice try. <laughs> now, listen to me. Did you know that 1 Corinthians 4, 1, all, that's Hebrew for all. That is so amazing, 1 Corinthians 4.1, that you would be known as servants of Christ and managers of God's secrets. Handlers of what God has withheld. That he would whisper it into your ears. His secrets whispered into your ears. He's sitting beside you for a reason. You're like, oh my gosh. And then we would manage it. We would handle it. Because that verse starts out, you would be known as, that means that the world is going to see you and go, how'd you do that, girl? They wouldn't say that to me. But how'd you do that, boy? Right? Nine o'clock. We're closing in. You guys still awake? Think about it, man. The secrets of God... That's better than Steve Jobs ever thought of, right? That's like, and he is going to whisper it into your hands, and you would manage it openly so that others see it. Now, that is power. That is power. It says that you would be known as. That means the world is going to see you and I handling his secrets in our lives. That's called an evangelism of jealousy. Yeah. When the world sits there and looks and goes, huh, how, 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 how? And you go, he, 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 Jesus, he, it's a he, it's, it's him, yeah. Yeah, you can do it. You just need Jesus. The world's like, okay. See, they're going to want in. It's in Malachi 3, too. It says that the nations would call you blessed. The nations outside would look in and go, wow, that's cool. You are blessed. They would recognize it. This is what we're talking about in the open sea. In a, a capacity built to the level that as God builds his kingdom in your life, people see it manifested and say, I want that. They will. They will totally want that. If I get time tomorrow, I'll tell you some stories. It's, it's legit, man. The world is not afraid of God or truth. They're afraid of abuse and this stupid tension. They're like, yeah, I don't really want to wander around, but I don't know what else to do. So I guess we'll just be over here. And that's what we'll do tomorrow, man. Anybody interested in that? Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even in all respects, that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Prosper means a good road, a lifetime walked 
walk of good, good winds. Be in good health. I love to think of it this way. Uh, do you guys believe in healing here? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Like, woo. You know what's better than healing is divine health. Uh, it doesn't make healing lower. Healing is smoking awesome. I've got some needs in my life uh, for some healing. Uh, some people I really, really care about need some healing. So I love healing, and I'm after it. But I realized, wow, you know what would be even cooler would be divine health. Like, let's not get sick again. That would be power, huh? That would exaggerate your, uh, your heart. That would be amazing. This church would be bulging with people. If, yeah, you come here and tithe in this house and you get divine health. Oh, my gosh, where do I sign up? Right? Yeah, that you would prosper. So prosper is better than success. The way divine health is better than healing. It doesn't minimize healing. It doesn't minimize success. But the two are better. And, the, and, and that verse is saying that that is the source from a thing called a prosperous soul. That's where it comes from. Why? I'll tell you that tomorrow. What's the purpose? An evangelism of jealousy. It's not to get rich. We may. We may or may not. It doesn't matter. But me, with money as my perfect servant, and I'm doing what God says because I'm his servant, and I'm serving him, and my money is... My slave, you know, money is cool because when you put it to work, it never complains. Who has employees? Yeah, man, they're a lot of work, aren't they? But money is the perfect slave because it never needs a break. In fact, if you put it to work, it will have babies, and the babies will go to work. <laughs> Did you know that? Just like worker and baby worker, and they just work and work, and it's awesome. So money is the perfect slave. So how are we going to land this? I'm done. Pastor, you want to solve this? No. <laughs> no, what I want to do is have a stand-up. Now, what I'm thinking is, you guys are the ones who came out on a Friday night, and I happen to have brought a gift imported from California. Okay? It's a mantle. I have a whole box of them here, and uh, some of these angels I need to borrow off the wall, because what we're going to do is, there's one for each of you, we're going to deliver a prosperous soul mantle tonight, okay? Now, what you've got to do is close your eyes, and by faith, receive a mantle on your shoulders. They're going to, okay, guys, get it going. Okay, they're picking out colors right now for you ladies, so don't worry. They'll get your, totally, your color will be rock, you'll rock it, okay? So they're working out the colors right now. You guys, I know you don't care, so they got some gray ones for you, but um, they are going to suit you out, and what I want you to do is practice having your senses trained to discern this good. See, this is Hebrews. It says, solid food is for the mature. Because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What I want you to do is, I believe these are good. It's an evangelism of jealousy to invite people into the kingdom. This mantle is the prosperous soul mantle, and it 
establishes an authority in the Spirit to learn how to leave this tension between this, these two pigs, okay? And I would like to give you that tonight. And so, Father, I'm, I'm thanking you for, I, you know, God, I am grateful for every man and woman standing in this room. And those who didn't make it and wanted to be, Father, would you include them as well, wherever they're at. And I know life is busy, and uh, I respect that. But, Father, you have appointments for us, and I believe this is one for us tonight. And this appointment is to receive a mantle as a prosperous soul. Father, I, I just release those angels to begin to move around the room and fit them to your shoulders. I need you to lift your chin because they're going to tie it under your chin. They're going to fit it to your shoulder and tie it around, around you so that it doesn't fall off. Because these mantles are meant to stay. They don't fall off. Father in heaven, just continue to minister that, administrate that right now. Uh, if you would put your hand, one hand on your heart and um, put another hand on somebody beside you and bless them and pray for them as the angels tie this mantle on them. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I, I bless and release the prosperous soul message in this amazing church and these fabulous people, God, these, these sons and daughters that you have hand picked. Oh, Father, would you fit these mantles rightly on their shoulders, God? Would you set them up, Father, as prosperous souls? Would you establish in these a mindset that is courageous enough to sail away from the familiar? Oh, Oh, now with your other hand, you have one in your heart still. The other hand, I'd like you to begin to just stir the air because the angels are busy and it's getting thick in here and I like that a bunch, so I just want that to get stirred up. Mm. Thank you, Father. We stir it up. We ask for more, God. We ask for more. Holy, holy, holy. Father, oh wow, I see God just walking around. Our king in bling. He is full on. Can you see it? Wow. Jesus, you are royalty. We just stir the air, Father. We receive your gifts. We ask God that you would establish a new beachhead in this city. And in this church, Father, just hold your hand up. One stays on your heart, the other hold it up. Father, that you would establish a beachhead for a prosperous soul breakthrough, God, that this would become such a city of innovation, of creativity, of authority, of, uh, of anointing, of innovation. Thank you, Father. We just release those words. Put on your lips those words that you want God to do in your church, in your city, wherever it is you're from. Put it on your lips just a little longer, guys. Father in heaven. You know what I want? I want creative ideas. I want the mysteries 
that God would whisper. God, would you give me the, the ears to hear that? Oh, Lord, sharpen my ears. Sharpen our ears, Father. I, I see him whispering in. I want you to listen. Oh, bujerete vi, vaso. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's still working. Can we just take a moment more, yeah? Just, let's just take some time right now. Wow, Father, I see him dropping deposits, and your chest looks like the slot in a piggy bank, and he's just dropping wealth and wisdom into you, and uh, it's fun because more fits in than the size of your bank, and he just keeps dropping it in, and so, Father, make your deposits right now. We just take a moment, and we wait on you, God. We know that you're... You are wise and perfect, and it is enough that you are for us. Teach us your ways, God. Mm, Just one minute longer. Thank you, Father. Ah, he reminded me. You wrote down a target question in your notes. I want you to pull that out and present it to the Father right now. Father, I want an answer for this. I want this solved tonight. Just a moment longer. Some of you are going to get some supernatural whispers tonight, right now. Father, this is our question. What do you say? What do you say? Mm. feel like someone wrote uh, about some legal problems, and I just want to speak to that freedom and escape from the trapper's snare that God would open the, wind, the little door. You're like a bird in a cage because of this legal thing, and God is opening that cage, and I hear it squeak, and he's saying, there you go, and you just jet out through that thing, man, and... And I feel like God is going to give you an escape from something that felt like a trap that you could not, uh, you couldn't manage. It was bigger than you. It was designed to trap you. And God's going to set you free. So, Father, I thank you for that breakthrough for someone in this room, that they would escape from the trapper's snare like a bird. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I see some, I see the letters IRS, and of course... I know what that means. So, Father, you have, uh, I want to pull on an old anointing I had, and that was favor with IRS, just crazy, goofy favor with IRS. And I pull on that, and I release it in the room for those of us 
whoever's asking for favor and breakthrough with IRS, freedom from uh, assessments and reversals, and um, IRS would accept your settlements and they would just release you and you would be done with something. And I feel like there's a handful of those. So Father, you gave me that gift once and I've used it many times. I use it again right now. And I say, God, bless these that are shackled by IRS taxes, that they would be set free. And it feels like this is state tax as well. So Father, we just unshackle those obligations. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks, Father. Thanks, Father. I see the Lord tie a little bow. So, Lord, I present our hearts, our prosperous soul hearts, and these men and women, these prosperous soul men and women with their mantles tied around their necks, under their chin, I present them as a bow to you, and I ask, God, that you would um, you would protect us and teach us and lead us in your ways, that we would become so irresistible to you and to the world, that the world is drawn to your name and to your son and into the kingdom. And God, that you will find us irresistible, that you will find us, you want to be with us, tutoring us and teaching us every day. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.